Time now to talk with Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoman and News OK. He joins us on the Sprint Special guest line. Get a Samsung S10 for zero. Zero dollars when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease. Now through December 26th, visit the Sprint store nearest you. Barry, good morning. Hey, I said it's all late, guys. Uh, people, well... It depends on who you are. The Ute fans really aren't happy right now, but the Cougar fans are enjoying this thoroughly. Well, that's that's unfortunate. That really is. Um, I wish we could all get along, but <laughs> Utah's not Utah's not the only place like that. So, yeah, the whole nation. I tell you, they don't really want to see Oklahoma in the playoff. Oh, wait a second, that was Utah. What'd you think of all, all that stuff that came out last week like that? Well. Here's the deal. Um, I think most of the nation is ready for some new blood, and that would include that would mandate the exclusion of Oklahoma. Uh, now, the networks, ESPN, they'd probably rather have Oklahoma, and Oklahoma, Ohio State, probably going to draw more eyeballs than a Ohio State, Utah. Um, I don't really – I think the committee played it pretty by the book. I think they were down the middle. So, um, you know, college football is a flawed sport. So we're just going to have to live with it for now. But it's a case of, uh, you know, the Utes had a great team and they just, you know, sort of have a flop there at the end against Oregon. So I think here watching other teams, there's kind of the assumption, well, Iowa State never flops. Bama never flops, even though they did flop this year and they had a quarterback injury, obviously. Uh, how often do Sooner fans get down on their club for flopping? What's it, what's it like when you're covering or rooting for a big-time team? How often do you see them faceplant? Or do they just faceplant at a different level? Well, it's probably the latter. Um, you know, the Sooners, they struggled early in, you know, down, uh, earlier this season. You know, they go to Kansas State and lose with a – Horrid second and third quarter. Get down twenty five points. Had to come back and uh, you know make it close. And then they beat Iowa State by one. They beat uh, Baylor by three after being down twenty five again. They go to uh, come home and beat TCU by four. So the the fan base was uh, you know was uh, not very happy at that point. But all's well that ends well. They will. Uh, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's uh, everybody's not not too pleased with me when I say, "Be careful what you wish for." You got you got LSU, but they'll be upset again when you know if LSU beats them forty-eight to twenty. So that's just sort of life in the fast lane. It's not a very uh, not a lot of parity in the sport these days. Same teams keep winning. But the good news is Alabama is out of it. So, you know, <laughs> Noah, you know if, uh, if Ohio State could be Clemson, hey, we're going to have a new national champion at least, uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's in Norman or Columbus or in Baton Rouge. So Texas is sort of in your backyard, Barry, and obviously you know a lot about them, and the Utes are going to play Texas. And Texas, we all know, is a big-time recruiting base for so many of the programs in the country, not just in your region. And we hear Texas is coming back and Herman and all this stuff, and they get off to good start, and then they peter out. Uh, what at what point on the ladder is this program actually at in terms of rebuilding into what they want to be and what they once had? Well, what you just, the last thing you said is two different things. 
what they want to be and what they once had are not the same. Texas, in the last 36 years, has had 18, excuse me, 18 seasons where they've lost five games or more. So this is not Southern Cal. This is not Alabama. This is not Oklahoma. This is not Ohio State. Those teams lose five, and, hey, everybody gets serious, and they say, what are we going to do to fix this? Texas turns around the next year and loses five again. Yeah. So this is – Texas is sort of a – sort of a wannabe. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a good program. They've had some great – As soon as he said Texas is a wannabe, <laughs> we lost you there, Barry. As soon as you said oh, Texas, as soon okay. as you said Texas, Texas is a wannabe, you cut out. I think that Sorry I don't think that's that. an accident. I don't think that's an yeah. accident at all. <laughs> well, Texas, Texas does not sustain excellence. Never has, except for a period during Darrell Royals' tenure as coach, and that was fifty years ago. So. They're a good program. They're not a, 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 con, a consistent great program. And under Tom Herman, it's the same thing. They are hot and cold. You know, when, when Sam Ellinger last year at the Sugar Bowl said, Texas is back, well, they were back. Last year they beat USC, Georgia, and Oklahoma. And it was a great, great season. Ended up, they actually lost four games, but still, 10 and 4 is a, good, a very good season. They were back, but now they're gone again. And that's just the way they've been forever. So, Well, clearly we're having problems with uh, Barry's cell phone there. All right. Uh, that's why I think this last year in the Holiday Bowl, I had a hard time mustering up care for that particular game. And I think you just played that way. <laughs> Certainly did in the second half. Looked pretty good in the first half. But this year, I think it's real important that they win this game. And I'm not a big bowl guy unless it's, you know, the Rose Bowl and it's the playoff and those types of things. But I just think for what the Utes accomplished this season. To go out with back-to-back losses again will sting. It certainly took the luster off last year. But I, it didn't – see Because you could say the yeah. Pac-12 South, it saved it. Yeah, right. But it still was – it was a downer. It was a downer, but it wasn't that big of a downer, I don't think. Here, I think they got to beat Texas and to, to, to really just put a little bit of a, a, a nice little exclamation point on a 12-2 and two season. That's pretty doggone good. Barry Trammell back with us again. As you were saying, Barry. Hey, I can't remember where I, where I lost you, but you know Texas just can't sustain it. Um, and... This year, it was supposed to be a great year. It wasn't 7-5. and five. They've already fired their two coordinators. Yeah. They're just sort of on a treadmill of, of uh, rising and falling. And, you know, I don't – and you know, the problem Utah has is you never can tell what Texas will do. I mean, Texas could go out and play the greatest game they've played in five years, and it would not <laughs> surprise me. I mean, Georgia was really good last year. Georgia took Alabama to the wire in the SEC title game, and then Texas whacked them pretty good in the Sugar Bowl. That's just that's just what Texas does. Oklahoma can be way better than Texas, 
and the Longhorns play them toe-to-toe. And then the next week, they'll lose to Iowa State. So it's just they're a team you really can't count on for any kind of consistency. So in addition to talking football, we wanted to talk a little basketball with you because the Thunder are in town, and the good news is the Thunder above the playoff line, which I would not have expected, but the surprising part is there's two teams with losing records in the West above the playoff line. The middle of the West is not nearly as good as it was last year or as many people, including myself, would have anticipated it would be this year. How are Thunder fans feeling about the Thunder? We are all fans, media, maybe even the players, we are all in a state of mysticism. We have no idea how to act. Is the team supposed to win or is it supposed to lose? Is the team supposed to be an offensive team or a defensive team? Is it a team that's trying to make the playoffs or is it a team trying to get in the lottery? We don't know the answers to these questions, and I'm not sure the Thunder has the answer to those questions. So it's... This is what you go through when you hand your franchise over to Russell Westbrook and he is your identity for so long and then he's gone and you're standing there in the wilderness saying, what do we do now? We literally don't know what to do. So they're trying to find themselves. They've got an interesting team. They've got interesting players. It, you know, they've got two excellent centers and three really good point guards in a league that is now wing-driven. So that's sort of their status. They're just sort of a misfit team. So once George decides he wants out and they ship him off to the Clippers and then they make the decision to go with Westbrook on his way out and and stockpile all these draft choices, right? That's clear that that's the decision that they've gone with is in the undertaking. Do you agree with the premise once it happened that this was the way to go and get these draft picks and see what you can do down the road? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Your alternative is to tell Paul George no. And George is sort of an upstanding guy. So that might have worked. He might have still played hard. He might have still been, you know, determined to, to try for a title. But the truth is, and... Jazz fans can testify to this. It really wasn't working. You know what? What you guys saw and Utah did to the Thunder, you know, at six-game series, that it was 4-2, but only because the Thunder staged a comeback for the ages in game five. And then that's exactly what we saw in Portland the following year, last, last April. The Thunder was really good. They just weren't as good as the level of Utah and Portland who frankly aren't as good as the teams winning the West. So it really wasn't working. So I am slow to blame Sam Presti for for cashing it in, especially when the Clippers offered what they offered. I mean, the truth of the matter is, and I mean, you guys could answer this. From this point going forward, who's going to have a better NBA career, Paul George or Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Shea Gilgis-Alexander is. He's 20 years old, and he's already really good, and he could possibly be a star. If you just traded those two one for one, it wouldn't be the worst trade of all time. But they also got Gallinari and five first-round draft picks. So that's a trade he almost had to make. 
And then when they make that trade, you you know, you go ahead and trade Westbrook and, and sort of start over, not necessarily with the with the uh, with the one loss record, but with the culture. And like I said, they don't know they don't know what they're doing in terms of who they're gonna be. Is Chris Paul gonna be here all year? Is is Gallinari gonna be here all year? We don't know. It's just a weird new world. So when you and I'm I'm curious if people in Oklahoma and maybe because they're in rebuild mode they don't care. Does it bug them that the Lakers are one and the Clippers are two and everybody in the West is chasing two LA teams that bought free agents? It doesn't. The fans don't really care. I don't think the fans are mostly just happy that the Warriors stink. <laughs> that's who that's who Oklahoma City hates, and it's you know and it's easy to hate the Warriors even when they stink bad because the dang guys are so lucky they're just going to fall into a lottery pick is all they're going to do with all that good players coming back so no <laughs> people like me i don't like it that the la teams are you know up at the top and going to contend for the title on the other hand um well before i say that it's bad for the league when durant goes to brooklyn when George and Leonard go to force their way to L.A., when Anthony Davis, LeBron James force their way to L.A., either via free agency or trade, that's bad for the league. On the other hand, before this season, the last six years, the Lakers and the Knicks were the two worst teams in the NBA over a six-year period. The Clippers have never won the title. The Nets have never won the title. So it's not like the big cities are dominating. But that doesn't mean it won't change. That doesn't mean we could – are we headed for an era when San Antonio and Portland and Oklahoma City and Salt Lake literally can't compete for a title? If we are, then that's terrible for the NBA. But the truth is that's not been the history. Oklahoma City could have won a title. It just didn't. San Antonio has won a title. Utah, you know, a decade or two ago, could have won a title. It just didn't. So the small markets have been really competitive for a long time. If that doesn't change, then I don't think anybody has a real gripe. So do you think the Thunder are too good right now to be able to get the highest types of draft spots that they need and they yeah. should pedal, yeah. pedal some of these dudes? No doubt about it. They're too good. I mean, they're not very good. They're not great. Right. They might not even be good. If they get to 41 and 41, that's probably a really good coaching job. On the other hand, they got Chris Paul on their team. And Chris Paul is not in the habit of letting teams lose games. That's not in his DNA. I mean, this is a guy that will, you know, he'll pull out a, he'll pull out a switchblade playing marbles. He wants to win. I mean, he, Friday night they pulled out one of the all-time great steals of a game, uh, in part because Chris Paul noticed somebody's shirt tail was untucked and convinced the refs to call a delay of game warning, which was the second of the game and resulted in a technical foul and gave the Thunder a chance to win in the last two seconds. That's the kind of competitor he is. When he's on your team, it's hard to tank. So if they could trade him... 
probably go into tank mode. But as long as he's around, his mentality, and he's still an excellent ball player, he had 15 points in the first, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes last night. If he's still around, you're going to be competitive to some degree. Barry, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks. Hold on a second. Uh, Before you go, who's yeah. next in line at quarterback there at Oklahoma? Because I'm wondering this transfer stuff, is that going to catch up to them? Uh, well, it's actually, I don't think it is because two things. One, they recruited very well. They they got a they got the number one mobile quarterback in America last February, kid from Phoenix, yeah, Spencer R- Rattler, Rattler, who looks really good. But there's always the fallback position. You can always go back to free agency. Uh, the Eric King, the uh, kid at Houston, who decided to you know sort of do his own red shirt. Um, he's sort of the joke around here. Hey, Derek, Derek King will come to Oklahoma in January. It would not be crazy if he did. So they're going to be fine at quarterback. Um, you know, college football is a little bit like the NBA in that there are there are three, four, three or four destinations. Alabama. Look at the playoff. Look at the playoff. LSU's in the playoff with the Ohio State quarterback. Yep. Ohio State's in the playoff with the Georgia quarterback. Yeah. Oklahoma's in the playoff with the Alabama quarterback. It's sort of like, uh, you know, there's four or five schools in college football that are the Lakers uh, of, the, uh, of the sport. Barry, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again. All right. Look forward to the day when the Thunder can be good enough to, to come to Salt Lake for the playoffs. There it is. Us too. That was yeah. fun. Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoman and NewsOK.com.